everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands Podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. And if this was the late 90s, you'd hear a beep, leave a message. That's because this is our voicemail. We're on summer vacation until Thursday, July 13th. You'll also notice that we're releasing episodes on Thursdays instead of Tuesdays. Expect new episodes from us beginning on Thursday, July 13th. Until then, we hope you all are having a fantastic summer. Why don't you tell us about your current role and how you came to be in that role? So I am the Deputy General Manager for Engineering for both the Las Vegas Valley Water District and the Southern Nevada Water Authority. I've been with the organization since 2000, and I started my career in our engineering design division, working on our major construction projects, reservoirs, pumping stations, large diameter pipelines, wells, things like that. And I did get an opportunity to move into our engineering services division, where I assumed my first role in management. And that was actually a really quick dive into the world of development in Southern Nevada. And it was very fast paced because development in Southern Nevada is a major part of our economic diversity here. And so obviously all developers think their project is number one priority. And my job was making sure that our staff was able to review those plans and inspect the projects in a timely manner and first come first serve so that nobody got any preferential treatment, but everybody was handled with the same equal care and that our system was always being designed per our standards and constructed with, with the best care out there. It was a great opportunity to be a part of that. It definitely gave me a dive into all things from right of way, from utility coordination, construction standards, materials performance, even politics legal, you name it, I was involved. And it was a great rounding piece to my career. And I moved on up into our executive management a couple of years ago. So now I oversee and make sure that all of our major construction and capital program projects, as well as our capital improvement program projects are all being executed on time, within schedule, within budget to serve this community and I'm talking about the existing community of over 2.3 million residents and over 42 million visitors each year. That is a heavy responsibility. Yeah. I can imagine from what I do know about the water situation out West that some of these projects are even more urgent than other infrastructure projects where there's an immediate demand. So heavy, heavy burden you have. Absolutely. It's very rewarding though. I love the idea of being able to give back to this community Every single project we work on is for the betterment of this community. It's for our conservation of our resource. It's truly a blessing working for this organization that's both very innovative and forward thinking, as well as fiscally responsible for this community and extremely responsible for the most valued resource in all of Southern Nevada. Which is water. Absolutely. And so before we move on, I want to get interested in how you will became interested in the water industry. But since you uh, had a role where you were in charge of those large capital projects, do you have a cool construction story? Or what was your favorite part of being that close to construction? I'd say the thing that I'm truly most proud of right now, uh, if you look back, if you did research back in, in Southern Nevada Water Authority, you go back probably, I don't know, 12 years ago, there was an article written, but I'm not even sure by who, but somebody said like the top 10 boondoggles in Southern Nevada. And one of them named 
was the third intake and the low lake level pump station. And so this was something that was a major lift for this community. Zero grant funding, no federal dollars. It was 100% paid for by this community through their rates. We constructed a third intake from Lake Mead into the valley and a low lake level pumping station. And the idea was, it was really an insurance policy. It was needed only if the lake dropped that low. I can tell you, we finished that third intake in 2015. We finished the low lake level pump station in April of 2020. Two years later, we needed to turn that pump station on. So if you look back at that article, who's like, I don't mean that in a mean way. We built this because we hoped we never needed it. And it turns out we absolutely did. And because of that infrastructure, we have made Southern Nevada the most secure with access to Colorado River water city in the entire basin. Wow. How long does that project? It was, it well, between the third intake was probably about four to five years between design and construction. And then the pumping station was about another three. Wow. That just highlights the urgency of it too. I don't think people realize sometimes how when you realize you have a need, sometimes you don't have the opportunity to respond. And you and your team obviously had some good foresight to identify that, hey, this is coming up and then you were able to execute it. And then unfortunately, in short order, you were proved correct and now you're utilizing it. Absolutely. So it is definitely something we're very proud of. And it's a very impressive facility. It's one of a kind. And we're very proud of it and very happy to have it. And all of Southern Nevada is extremely fortunate because in the worst situation ever, if the lake reaches what we call Deadpool, Southern Nevada still has access to water. That's just incredible. And one of the things that attracted me to you when I was seeing your content, and we'll get into the one thing that actually caused me to reach out to you, which I think is a fascinating story for everyone to hear. But I, when we met, just your passion came across so clearly for your community, for what you do. And that was in your content as well. And that brings an immediate question to my mind. What interested you in the water? Definitely. I guess you could start with what interested me in engineering first. That's my degree and my educational background. I wanted to be an engineer because I wanted something that would always have a job, but always be something that I could give back. In my own world, I was a little bit of a bleeding heart, save the planet kind of a person. How do I do that? Well, I could get myself into a career path that contributes to that. And then within Southern Nevada, truly, when you look across all of Southern Nevada, there is not one other entity or agency that stands out greater than Southern Nevada Water Authority with respect to the message of conservation, of protecting this community's most vital resource. I saw the passion that this organization had for this community, for the water that we have, and I wanted to be a part of it. I want to know that every single night I put my head down on my pillow knowing that I've done something really good to protect this community, to serve this community, not just the people that live here today, but for the people that may want to live here in the future. I'm always impressed when I meet people that have a passion that early and are able to execute it on it. I don't feel like I found my passion until my probably mid thirties. And I think back and how much time 
I don't want to call it wasted, but I wasn't going in the direction that I'm headed now and how different my life could have been. And I'm always impressed when I meet someone like you who are like, hey, I was passionate about giving back. This is how I was able to do it. And then not only was I able to do it, now I've been able to grow that and impact even more people than maybe you even imagined when you first got into it. Sure, sure. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to ask some brand questions here in a little bit, but I think we should skip around here and tell the story of how I first reached out to you. So I reached out to you because I saw a post that you made where the Colorado River Basin Users Association invited Western Water Girl to speak. And those of you who don't know who Western Water Girl is, she is a TikToker and she's on other social media platforms as well. And she talks about the water scarcity problem out West and she does it in a compelling, entertaining and direct way. And so I was familiar with her and I was familiar with you and I'm familiar with the situation out West. And then when I saw all of those combined, I immediately reached out and said, what prompted this? So why don't you tell us how did you become aware of Western Water Girl and why did you invite her to such a high profile conference? I first actually came to learn of her really through my boss, who's our general manager. His niece actually sent him a TikTok video of hers and she had reported about Southern Nevada. And I'm not going to quote her exactly because I don't want us to get banned from anything, but she has well-placed F-bombs and, um, and she had said something to the effect of Southern Nevada is not blanking around and really caught our general manager's attention because she reported some serious facts, very timely facts, things that really only major news media had really picked up and carried. And here's a TikToker who had this. And we started just diving into who is this girl and looked at some of her other videos. And some of the other folks within our organization had already known about her, followed her. But the truth of the matter is, as you mentioned, she's very passionate about reporting about what's going on in the Colorado River Basin. And it happened to be right at around the time that Southern Nevada Water Authority was making some serious news with respect to our letter to Congress and so forth. And she reported about it right away, gave the facts. And so I had actually reached out to her just simply to ask her, hey, you seem to know a lot about everything going on in the Colorado River Basin. Do you work in this space? And she wrote me back and said, no, I don't yet, but I'd love to, but I'm very passionate about it, went to school for all this. And so just kind of communicated and that's it. Subsequent to that, she had more posts, of course, additional information. Eventually we invited her simply to come out to Southern Nevada, tour our facilities, get to know a little bit about how we operate within the Colorado River Basin. It's important to note that we have the smallest legal entitlement on the river. We get 1.8%. That's it. And we are probably the only ones within the, well, I know we're the only ones in the basin, possibly even the country, that truly recycle all of our indoor water use. Everything gets sent back, return flow credits. And so this is so important, and it's an important part of our message because we have the smallest amount of water. We have a very, very diverse population here that's constantly growing and we can continue to grow and continue to use less water every single year because of our conservation efforts. And we wanted to make sure that she got all of this information just so that she has the full big picture. And so that was really how we initially met with her. She got to tour the Las Vegas wash where all of our wastewater return goes back through. And for return flow credits, she got to see our treatment plant go out to where the intake number one is already sticking out of water. So she got to see all of that so that she could have that information as she continues to share her content throughout uh, TikTok. 
And then fast forward to when Krua was being put together, they put together basically a media panel, all different outlets of media from Associated Press to NPR to niche publications, even on-air TV. And then how can you talk about media without including social media? Because really that's the new kind of up and coming format for those who prefer that area. So it was an interesting panel. I really enjoyed it. Everybody in that room enjoyed it. There were a lot of questions because each one of those media outlets have a very specific purpose and they're all passionate about water and they have different people that tune into their media form And TikTok is just a different avenue that seems to be really growing in popularity. So it was great to have such a diverse panel at that conference. Yeah. And I I know you told me before she did a fantastic job too. And the interesting part that I found is the articles that I was able to find were actually about her. NPR did a piece about her attendance at the conference and what that meant. And that's awesome for her. And so I know you did that because you wanted to access different forms of media, right? And you really liked her and her message and the stuff she talks about. Can you elaborate a little bit on how reaching out to someone like Western Water Girl supports your water conservation efforts? Everybody out there, whether you are literally a a coach of a soccer team or you are in the business world or you're in a contracting company or you're a social media person, Any chance we get to spread our message out to the world, we're going to take advantage of it because it is not just about the newspaper or the 15 second soundbite on the evening news. It's about getting that message out to anybody in any manner that we can possibly reach. And there are different demographics of people that use our products. So for us, we want to get the message of every part of our organization, not just about engineering and construction, but also about water conservation and infrastructure management and what we do to find and detect and fix leaks. And even with respect to how your bill might look if we do a change in in that process, everything we can, we're going to leverage every avenue. And with specific types of social media outlets, such as TikTok, there are different creators that use it for different things. So Western Water Girl is more about bringing awareness to what's happening in that Colorado River Basin. And she highlights what's good, what's bad, what needs help, what's progressive. So if we fall in line with where her messaging is, we're winning because she's able to talk about us. If we're able to get messaging out through LinkedIn or through Facebook or through Twitter, or even the news or the newspaper, we'll take advantage of every single one of them because every time that we're being talked about with respect to our overall message, that is success for us. Absolutely. And one of the things that's running through my mind is need creates necessity where I, at least in my experience, you're a unique utility with how you are leveraging these different channels to be able to communicate. I think a lot of utilities have social media, but to be able to reach out to an influencer and have that foresight. And then you also have a podcast to be able to reach your customers. I feel like that's unique. Do you believe that is because of how dire the need is in your situation? Or do you think, hey, that's a logical step in where we should be anyway? That's probably a combination of both. We're very progressive. We don't we don't like to be behind the wheel. We want to be in front of it. And we tend to be very 
forward thinking on different ways that we can get the message out. We've used some really fantastic advertising mechanisms in the past that have almost been a bit shock and awe, but it's good because it gets the attention of the people. We also do serious messaging, but any chance we get, we're going to take advantage of all of it. Even when we met with Western Water Girl at Crua, she complimented us. She said, you guys as an organization, your social media game is strong, is what she said. And the only place we're not really posting is something like TikTok. And that might be something in the future, who knows? But right now, where we are getting our message out, we're taking every advantage to get it to anybody who will listen. And yeah, podcast is a fun thing that evolved as a result of the shutdown. And, and we have quite a following on that as well. And a lot of people find it accidentally, and then they can learn more about the things that we talk about over a 15 second soundbite. Now they can dive into a good 20 minute long discussion about some of our infrastructure, the wash project, all sorts of things. So watch out for a possible collaboration on TikTok with Western Water Girl in the future. <laughs> ah, who knows? She's done a great job. When she was out here for Crua, she did actually report on some really interesting facts about Southern Nevada. A lot of people didn't realize. And she, of course, did a couple follow-up TikToks after her visit here where she came and toured all of our facilities, which is great because it's further getting our message out there. And she's got a following that's continuing to grow like crazy. And more people learn about it, the better. Awesome. Awesome. Hopefully this helps as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So how do you believe that other utilities can utilize social media? Because like I said, I don't see a lot of utilities act like, act like you do. I think it's a matter of really where is your, I don't want to say priority, but what is it that you need to get that message out? For us, we're probably the only business out there that's in the business of trying to get you to not buy our product. It sounds like a really backwards business plan, but in reality, what when we say we don't want you to not buy our product, we want you to rent our product. We want you to give it back. We want it through return flow credits. You can use it, use it indoors, take that shower, flush the toilet. That's okay because that water's getting captured, treated, and returned. But if it's being used and never returned, that's what we need to drive down, get rid of. We can't afford that. It doesn't extend our resource. So using every single messaging opportunity to try and do that is important. Now, that's not the same for every other utility out there. There might be utilities that have a very different reason for their reaching out through different media aspects. But I think that in today's world, you have to understand where is everyone getting their information? Some people actually do read the newspaper. Some people actually watch the news. Some people don't. And you have to understand that if your customer base is completely, truly diverse, you have to also meet them where they're getting their sources of information. And so we try and approach every single avenue that we can get every different demographic so that we, we are really, truly putting that to use. And I think every company out there, if they really want to be successful, they should be thinking about doing the same thing. I couldn't agree more. One of the things I always, I challenge potential customers on is people's attention is divided now more than ever. And so the, what it takes to get someone to pay attention to something is harder just because the volume of how much stuff comes at you. And so I tell people, do you want to try and go get their attention where they aren't, or is it best to show up where they are and then create meaningful content and meaningful information in those channels Versus yes. trying to get them to go to a channel that you might have had success in 10 or 20 years ago, 
but now it's changed. That you're absolutely correct. As a matter of fact, we don't rely on people coming to our website to find out everything they want to know about conservation or infrastructure. No, we're going to go out to them and we'll direct them back there if they want, but we're going to meet them where they are. And that's to get the message to them in the most convenient method possible. And that's why if you look at our LinkedIn account or anything, we are posting multiple times a day, different content. A lot of it might be about the difference between indoor and outdoor water use, which for us, outdoor water use is what is going to hurt us. That's where we lose our water because we're not getting it back. We also wanna to talk to them about our infrastructure. Why, why are the different projects we're working on going to benefit this community in the long run? What are we doing to stay ahead of leaks or any sort of failures in our system? Why do we have such a world-class system? We want to be able to explain that. Where is your dollar going? And keep that in their face so that they're aware, they feel educated, they feel knowledgeable, but they also feel that feeling of value and also reliance and trust on the organization that is managing their water system. Yeah. And you're exerting empathy by showing up where they are. You're making it easy. Sure. For, you're not asking them yeah. to go do something that's not out of their behavior. It's okay. We're going to tell you about this very important message and we're going to distribute it in different ways where you spend time. And because it's good content and because it resonates with you, we're going to reach you Absolutely. in a better way. I wish more people thought like that, but I do believe more people are thinking like that now. I agree with you. I do. And I think that we will see more content out there from other organizations as they figure out where their comfortable place is and what the messages they want to get out. We are just very fortunate that we have a fantastic team that is always putting together content, video, photos, interviews, and whatnot to be able to get all the different types of messaging out in any manner of platform to again, further our message of conservation, infrastructure, all of that for our community. That's so awesome because starting a podcast is difficult and creating this content is difficult. All these things are hard, including a company page. I have various customers. One of the hardest things to do is to grow a company page. And sure. so to see you and your team make the investment in it, not just in the content that's on the platform, but to be able to invest in the podcast and have this thought about your customers is, I've said it multiple times, but it's so unique and refreshing. And so I'm, I don't live in Nevada, but I want to thank you anyways from Ohio. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So let's get into a little bit more personal stuff around marketing and brands. Have you personally leveraged social media to advance your career, to connect with colleagues or how do you use social media? Other than I think probably my experience with Facebook has only been involved in keeping in touch with family that's out of town and friends I haven't seen for 20 years, but that's kind of what it's for, right? Other than that, LinkedIn really is what I utilize for my career. I do. I keep in touch with other people in the industry I meet people a lot of times at conferences and technical sessions, and then I'll connect with them that way, as well as I like to share when we have content that we put out, I will absolutely repost it just to get the message out. I like to share those things that are highlighting the type of work that the folks working under me have completed. I'm super proud of all of that. And then, of course, our conservation message. And I've gone as far as posting photos myself. I have a funny T-shirt that I had made just because at our last legislative session, uh, they passed a law here in Nevada that says in southern Nevada, what they call non-functional turf will become illegal to water it with Colorado River water. And 
truly, I like to say it this way. I mean, non-functional turf, you wouldn't choose your dentist based on which one has this nice piece of grass in front of their office. Now you're going to go with the dentist that's on your plan that you like. So for same thing with a gas station, you wouldn't pick the gas station to fill up your gas tank based on which one has grass in front of it. So non-functional turf doesn't do anything to promote business. It really doesn't have a purpose other than taking a very large portion of our water. So when I see non-functional turf, it just gets under my skin. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. My last post that I was talking about before is I had gone into a commercial parking lot and there was an 18 inch wide strip of grass that just went right in front of all the parking spots. It was in the middle of the parking lot. So it had zero purpose. As a matter of fact, it has pop-up sprinklers. I wasn't there while they were spraying it, but I promise you they're spraying more of the asphalt than they are the grass. It serves no purpose. And so I happened to be wearing my t-shirt that says, I'm judging your water wasting lawn. And I took a picture of selfie right in front of it and posted that because once you see non-functional turf, you can't unsee it. And it's just part of me trying to get that message out to any of my colleagues. And as it turns out, I had a whole bunch of people from other areas within the Colorado River Basin, Southern California, Arizona, they reached out to me and said, where did you get that shirt? Where can I get it? I want to wear the same one because so many other communities in Colorado River Basin are starting to see non-functional turf the same way. That's awesome. And I saw that post, I engaged with it and liked it. And I went back yeah. and looked at it before we recorded and it was 335 people had liked it or yeah. commented on it. No, just liked it. Do you remember off the top of your head, how many people viewed that post? No, I didn't actually, but I should actually go back and look. I never bothered to pay attention to that. I do have another t-shirt that I just received yesterday. I have a lady, a local business that I I give her ideas and she comes up with shirts for me. So I have another one that is very appropriate for us here in Southern Nevada. And it reads, don't let wastewater be water wasted. So you'll see some posts with me on that one. Maybe I'll take a picture in front of the Las Vegas wash and with that one. But again, I use social media to further our message. I'm just DOA and I have certain connections. I'm a member of the organization, but in my own personal space, if I can leverage social media to help get that message across, I do. On my personal Facebook page, every time it rains, I post something that says, Mother Nature's giving it away for free. Turn off your sprinklers. <laughs> Everybody can get free water today. You don't need to run your sprinklers. It helps to extend our resource when people do that. Yeah. And particularly on a platform like LinkedIn. So I said, it's so hard to get a company page going because people want to engage with people and you are just a member of the organization. I would imagine based on experience that some of your content performs just as well as the companies, if not even better, because people recognize your face, they recognize your message and they appreciate and support your message. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Good point. It, it's also interesting on the wasted green space. Oh, yes. The non-functional uh, turf. Non-functional yes. turf. Non-functional yes. turf. So yes. I live in Ohio where we don't have a lack of rain, but right. I live on the outskirts of a city. And a big push here has been yards that are wild habitats. So instead of having a manicured grass lawn, you plant and let more of the natural vegetation grow. So you not only help the area, but then you also help bees, birds, that kind of thing. So Absolutely. it's interesting to me that so many people in an area like that still have non-functional turf when 
there's that issue as well. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out over the years. And I, maybe your t-shirt will end up being picked up by a bigger organization. <laughs> hey, I'm not trying to patent it. Anybody can use it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What is your favorite type of media to consume? I'd still probably have to say that for me, I really am a huge fan of podcasts. I listen to a variety of podcasts. I have no one type or genre at all. I'm all over the place. I get a little bit of history, a little bit of science, a little bit of in another world. I think I'm a CSI tech, you know, a little <laughs> bit of crime drama, whatever it may be that is entertaining to me. And it allows me to detach, listen to that get into a completely different place and learn something. And that's really the benefit. If I can walk away saying, gosh, I had no idea. And then a lot of times I end up after a podcast, I go research some more. So maybe I've learned about a company or an author or a, some sort of technology and I go look into it and I deep dive and that's how I learn. So that's my own personal favorite. And I like to hear when organizations have podcasts. That's why I was super excited when we did ours. And I've done a couple of our podcasts as well. And I was super excited to hear that because it is a way for people to hear a little bit more, learn a little bit more in a bit lighthearted attitude, much like you talked about. We, we do have a little banter going back and forth. It's fun and you learn and you get to learn a lot more than you would ever get out of a newspaper article or a quick clip on a news in the evening. Absolutely. What's the biggest mistake vendors make in their outbound marketing efforts? Not researching who it is they're contacting. I can tell you right now, the worst mistake I ever had, and I'll share the story with you and you can understand why I went. <sighs> <laughs> I had a vendor reach out to me and it was a cold call, 100% cold call, got my phone number, called, immediately launched in this particular company, the woman speaking, it was a marketing company. This woman dove right in to her spiel, barely even took a breath. I could not get in to at least stop her from where she was going. So I had to wait till she was done. I could tell she was on a conference call situation because there was somebody else in the room because I heard somebody else saying, oh yeah, yeah. And she dove right in letting me know that, I don't know if you know this, but Southern California is in a drought and we're preparing a conservation program. And we believe that we could bring you a conservation program that will help you save water and so forth and so on. Dove straight into this. And finally, when she stopped enough to breathe, I said, have you looked at our website? <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, but we've been doing conservation for decades. That's how we're in existence. And I appreciated her, but I said, if you have you looked at, she says, no, I haven't looked at your page. I said, you might want to do that. That is our number one strongest message. That's what we're known for is our conservation. And so I, those types of things, I think if vendors would just take a moment and research a little bit about the customer they're trying to reach out to, or not send necessarily canned emails to every single person. I can't tell you how many emails I've received from companies telling me if we use them, we can increase our customer base by 20%. And I'm like, we provide drinking water in the middle of the desert. I don't think we're, I don't think we're hurting there. I think we're okay. <laughs> That's antithetical to what we're doing actually. Right. Exactly. Just take a moment to get to know who it is you're contacting, look into them a little bit. The canned emails are very, very apparent and they don't get read. That's unfortunate. Yeah. 
All right. So we're going to wrap up with your best routine or habit. But before we get into that, I want to give you an opportunity. What is the biggest takeaway for people that don't understand the situation in the Colorado River Basin, or maybe to people that are visiting Las Vegas, what should they know about the situation and how can people make an impact when they're in the area or if they do live in the area, how can they make their personal impact better to reduce their water use? Well, I'd say probably the number one thing is if the person listening to this lives in Southern Nevada, at an absolute minimum, setting their irrigation clock to our recommended watering schedule is the single most impactful thing they can do to save water. Truly, without a doubt, we don't set these watering schedules to hurt landscape or to hurt anybody's property. We set it actually to help. We don't do this based on somebody's whim. We have science that backs all of it. But setting their watering schedule to follow our recommended watering schedules is truly it. Getting that kind of compliance is the number one thing. So that's speaking to those that are already residents of Southern Nevada. Anybody visiting, know that, number one, if the water is used indoors and that facility is connected to the sewer system, which majority of everything out here is, all the resort properties, for example, all that water gets recycled and returned to the river. People a lot of times might come here and think, oh no, I can't take a long shower or anything like that. It helps with respect to the water bill, but it is truly getting captured. So that's important. Also, we have a lot of growth that happens in Southern Nevada. And I think the best message I want people to understand is within the entire state of Nevada, almost three fourths of the economic development is a result of Southern Nevada. And a very large portion of Southern Nevada's economic development comes from construction. Every single person, whether you're operating a backhoe or you're doing woodworking construction or a flagger on the road, doesn't matter, or an engineer or anybody along those lines, those are all jobs and they're thriving in Southern Nevada. But the more important thing is our job as the water agency is not to determine whether or not growth happens, but to determine whether or not the type of growth is efficient for our water use. So we are always working with our electeds to make sure that the codes and ordinances in place further extend our resource while allowing Nevada to benefit from that economic development. So we are doing the hard things and our electeds are doing the hard jobs by pressing the buttons for all the right reasons so that we can continue to thrive here while driving down our water use at the same time. As Absolutely awesome because I love Las Vegas too. And I've always thought about moving out there. Now I actually feel better about it because I lived in Sacramento and they don't recycle the water. So it is short showers, all of that kind of thing. And I know, especially living in California, there was quite a bit of pushback on that from people where I'm not going to take a shorter shower, all this kind of thing. The most interesting thing that I take away from what you're saying is you've done so much on your end to be able to make this easy for people. Like you yes. said, the non-functional turf, you're not even telling people don't have lawns. You're saying right. don't have non-functional turf. It doesn't make no right. sense to have it in this devil strip. That's nothing. And that's, right. that's awesome. So I will also link to the watering schedule. We'll put that in the show notes. That way, if anyone wants to check that out, or if you are in Nevada, please check that out and sure. listen to Thank Doa. Um, all right, Doa. So you are passionate, successful. You have known what you've wanted to do for a long time. So what is your best routine or habit? My best routine, ever since my very first trip to Italy, I became quite a bit of a 
coffee connoisseur and, and not just coffee. It has to be an espresso. For me, part of my ritual, my morning ritual is I wake up, I turn on the news. I do listen to the news local. I turn on the news and then I make myself a cappuccino and I enjoy that. And I really, when I was in college, I pretty much ran from one thing to the next because schedules were tight and sleep was limited. So I was running, running, running constantly. And then as I got later in my years, I realized how important it is to just take a moment for myself to think on what is my day going to look like. So it starts with getting my cappuccino. I turn on the news. I listen to the news. And then after that, I turn the news off and I sit for another five or 10 minutes. And I just think about my intentions for the day. What is today going to mean for me? What do I want to do? What do I want to contribute? Even if it's for myself, for my family, or for this community, what do I want to do? And I think just taking the five minutes, anybody taking five minutes for yourself is so important for your mental clarity, for your own stress levels. I think it's so beneficial. I also like how you put a little reward in there for yourself. So you I have sure the do. ritual of the espresso and it's, That's hey, right. I made it out of bed. I'm here to attack the day. And you That's have right. this reward and then you reflect after that. That's interesting and not something I hear a lot, but I'm thinking about altering part of my routine now to put a little <laughs> reward in there. Well, good. I highly recommend it. All right, Doa, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Everyone check out Doa's LinkedIn page. Check out Southern Nevada Water Authority for the watering schedule. We'll put that in the show notes. And if you're visiting Las Vegas, go ahead and take your long shower. Thanks, Doa. Thank you so much for having me.